What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 84 of the RXP Podcast, a podcast where three working professionals talk all about their love for movies, TV shows, and video games. My name, of course, is Matt, and today I am joined by Alex. Hello, hello. And Tiffany. Hello, we get to talk about one of my favorite things. What is your favorite things? Like what? What do you reminiscing and nostalgia? And Mary Ugh. Poppins on the that's no Alex <laughs> the the reference of music, favorite things is Sound of Music. Oh Oops. my gosh, we got to start enough. this podcast over. He's not cultured, <laughs> exposed, it's okay. fully exposed. I love um, talking about the things we've done. I know this. This honestly is probably my favorite time of the year to record episodes because like. The topics go just like come flowing. Like this is recommended experiences. We have limited time, and now we get to talk about the things that we actually spent with our limited time. Yes, and pumped, pump, pump, pumped. I can't wait to hear what's on your guys' list because I feel like I don't know what's going to be on your list. I doubt any of mine will be on your list, and I I don't know if any of our list will like go together. Maybe maybe a couple, but. I don't know. I feel like this year is like the most we've been segmented. I think it's partly because Tiffany's been like schooling, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's just some disconnect, but I think we've got some three good lists, three good lists. So to you all who have not been with us, this is what the third year. Is that right? Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So every year we have our top six recommended experiences gaming which is not this week. We're not even talking about it. anything gaming related, pushing it off, kicking it to next week or whenever we get to it. This so is going to so be you're saying I can't cheat and use one of my slots here for a game that I couldn't put on the game list. Cheaters Correct. never win, Alex. Oh. Including this is a competition this though. <laughs> um so this is the top six non-gaming things. This could be music it could be books it could be tv shows movies comic books whatever you went outside and touched some grass if that's your like top sick experience like let's do it um i'm pumped guys i i've got i've got a a little you know i always have a lot of movies on my list i feel like but otherwise like i think i've got you know some surprises in here who wants to go first we did not talk about this before we recorded so we'll just talk now I'll go I think first. I wanna... oh, no, Daniel. me. Okay. I want to go first. You can go first. All right, Alex. Do it. Uh, What's your top right. number six? My number six experience non-gaming for 2023 is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. There we go. Solid choice. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, this was on my list of top anticipated experiences for this year, actually. So it's very well due that it lands on my top six non-gaming as well because I was so hyped for it. It lived up to the hype. You know, it might have landed with a little bit of a sputter, right? Because as we find out, you know, it's more of a kind of two-part type of setup, right, with the third movie coming out. Who knows when, you know, obviously with the strikes having also occurred this year, there's been a delay on that, so we're not necessarily getting uh, part two next year, potentially. Um, but besides that, Sp- Cross the Spider-Verse was great. This movie continues to excel in what it did best for me 
in part one or into the Spider-Verse rather. And that is, you know, living up to its animation style, embracing it, you know, giving us visuals that you can only do in an animated setting, right? At least as of now. Uh, and it was just a good movie and I enjoyed it, you know, from start to end. It's a great movie. And we even did a peer review on it. You should check out that episode. Yeah, we did. This is, this is one of my honorable mentions. Like we'll, we'll save some time for honorable mentions because we want to like, honestly, the purpose of these top six is one to like brag about all the things we did, but two is to like give the flowers where they deserved. And honestly, this movie, you know, I might've been a little bit cooler on it, but Honestly, this movie and this series, best thing that's coming out out of Marvel, hands down. In my opinion, it's the best thing coming. And I am so pumped to see part two, whether it's 2024 or beyond. Um, because you're right, Alex. Like this this animation style, I I want more of it. But also at the same time, I think that because it's so different, maybe that's what makes it a little bit more special to me is that there's really nothing else out there. There's so much animated things, whether it's anime or like more Americanized uh, cartoon animation, whatever animation style, this is definitely hitting so many different spots for me. Agree. Great movie. Shout out. Can I Tiffany. go next? Yeah, do it. So my number six experience is a book series that took the internet by storm and that is a romanticy which is a genre that merges romance and fantasy Mm -hmm. the book series fourth wing and iron flame so fourth wing came out in april of this year iron flame came out november these two books are in a five book series that have been optioned by amazon in fact michael b jordan's production studio is going to be making it for amazon so holla at that but okay this book series like apparently blew up on tiktok right and like i learned about it i had another friend of the show you know read it and tell like start reading the first book in the summertime and say like tiffany you need to read this and i was like what do you like is it actually that good and she was like yes it's that good i read the first book in two days okay the first book in two days and then when the sequel came out i went to a midnight release party they, I didn't even know they did that anymore for books. The last time I went to a book midnight release party was for one of the Harry Potter books in like yeah. the 2000s. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, Dating yourself. <laughs> oh, God. I guess you're right. But anyway, so this book series, the second one was, was good. It, it wasn't as great as the first one. And I'm going to be mm. real honest with the both of you. The book did absolutely nothing new. Like... Very predictable, very, but like because it was predictable and like it felt like five different young adult fantasy novels merged together that it was still so comfort, it was like comfort food. It was, it had a new coat of paint on it. It was pretty predictable, but like I was still 
entranced by the story. Characters are pretty good. Second book, I do have to say the main female lead. I wanted to punch her in the throat throughout like the entire book series. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "What are you doing? You're the worst. Get out of my face." Um, but you know what? I'm I'm gonna be reading books three, four, and five. I'm gonna be watching that TV show when it comes out. I'm gonna be telling you guys to watch that TV show if it's any good. FYI. Fourth Wing, Iron Flame, they're about dragons, and it's about a girl that goes to a school to learn how to ride a freaking dragon, okay? If the dragons aren't at least, like, as... Okay, I don't know that we're gonna get Game of Thrones-style dragons, but, mm-hmm. like, we need some good dragons. We can't be getting, like... I like Aragorn-level you know, dragons. Yeah, we can't be Ooh, getting, yeah, like, no, no, no. Shrek-level dragons, you know what I'm saying? Like, the and these dragons are fierce, okay? <laughs> I mean, respect to Donkey's wife, but like she not needs, it. She not nope. it. She ain't it. But but yeah, I think the the reason why this book series even made my list too is because I also reconnected with a few friends that that also read that got into it. You know, the fact that I went to a midnight release party, the fact that I it just brought up a lot of fun feelings. Um, it was a good time, a wild ride, a very wild ride, but great time. Is it more romance or fantasy? So I, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. Romanticy is literally like a new genre that's been like dubbed by the internet in the last couple mm-hmm. years. And like it's really a, like almost half and half, I feel like. Like I feel like it's half and half. So a lot of the er- characters. earning the genre mix up very like well then. That's yes. Like literally half and half. Yes, I would think it's half and half. The world building is a little bit shoddy. I'm not going to lie. Hmm. Like, I I feel like, okay, I, I guess like part of me is like, am I crazy? Because like, I feel like there are arguments to say this book is mid. But like, the way that they wrapped it all together and like, made moments that are kind of quotable. Like, mm-hmm. it just... It just was, and maybe it's what we needed in 2023, you know? I don't know. Like, we needed, like, people are, people are still actively looking for the next Harry Potter. I'm constantly doing the same. Like, I'm looking for the next book series that will bring me in. Love the Hunger Games. I was trying to read the prequel Hunger Games book before the movie came out. Never got to it. But, like, I remember being, you know, that book series really grabbed me, you know, and stuff like that. Twilight, I mean, I'm sorry to say I was in high school when that first book came out and I was enthralled by that, you know? I'm just trying to get the feelings back. I'm trying to get the nostalgia of the how OG I felt. The OG romanticy. Yeah, for real. So Step aside, Dracula or Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> now we got dragons. But yeah, this book, number six. Um, ask me again in like three years when the series is over. I'll let you know if it's actually worth the time. For all I know, if the female main character keeps going in her projected direction, I might, like, next year, I might be, like, the worst thing I've ever read was the third book in this series. So who knows? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So are they wanting to do, like, one release each year? So this author- Because they both came out this year. They both came out this year. The author, like, November. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. Um, She's going to take her time. She's going to take her time with the next one. Good. She actually, so she has this uh, muscular, like, ligament disease called Ehlers-Danlos, and it's, like, a cartilage deficiency, and so she 
has this physical disability along with most of her children and she gave the character that disability as well um to give like disability rep for the book series which was very interesting especially because you're like this person who has muscles disorder how is she gonna be a dragon rider so reading about that was pretty cool um but what i you know what i'm saying is that she really pushed her body this year to do all the writing to go on the tour to do all that jazz so she's like i need to take a break physically it's been overwhelming yeah Yeah. so i think moving forward she's gonna do about one book a year okay good one can only hope yeah, no, this is like I'm looking at ratings right now on Goodreads. It's like a four point six three. The first the first book. The second book is still like four point something. Out I don't I only have like six friends on Goodreads. Four yeah. of you have rated it a five out of five. So like <laughs> I, I feel like this is the book for my friends. So is this something knowing me, I love high fantasy. I, I wouldn't say romance novels are something that is an interest of mine right 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 but this new genre so say like anybody listening at home into fantasy would you tell them to pick a book pick up this book (sighs) that's a good question i feel like if you i okay so if someone likes a romance genre i would say 100 percent read this even if you don't Mm. like fantasy i'd be like read this if you like higher fantasy i don't know that i would be like read this because like i said maybe it's more romance forward yes and fantasy is really just the setting i would say 52 percent romance 48 percent fantasy that's what i'm gonna say narrow margins lock it in lock it in that's kind of where i'm at um hey maybe i'll maybe i'll check it out maybe i'll check yeah Maybe I would feel like I would recommend it maybe to your wife. Okay. Um, I, I yeah, we're, like watching, like we're watching Game of Thrones right now. Like we're on season five of Game of Thrones. She's never seen it before. So yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, I no, I think it'd be fun. I mean, okay, I will have to say I probably will be like, listen, when the show comes out, I'm going to let's hopes and prayers that this show comes out in the next mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. I want to see what that adaptation is like and be like, yo, check this out. And if you're like, this is actually not bad, then I feel like that you could dive into this. Because the series isn't going to be done. Like, there's no yeah. way the book series is going to be done before the show's over. Okay. Yeah. Listen, Amazon is pumping out some money Content. to all these shows. So, like, yeah. they've got the money and we've got the time. So, let's let's make this work. Cool. Great. Number six. My number six taking a turn away from this back to the the small screen which is on netflix a show reality show of course because i'm all about that trash tv okay it's squid game the challenge (gasps) no way have you all seen this No. no because let me tell you what we on a whim we're like we finished season four of game of thrones we're just looking for something, you know, like in between seasons, you're like, do we want to jump into the next season? Do we want to like take a little break? We're like, we're traveling around the holidays. Well, let's just, let's just pop on this little reality show about Squid Game. We love that show when it came out. All three of us love that show, right? Yeah. And um, it's addictive. It is it is everything I wanted and more. Let me tell you about this. They have tell 400 us. and... 462, 452, a ton of contestants. They all have little ink blots 
on their like under their shirt. So when they get eliminated, they have told all the contestants that inkblot will burst and it'll look like they just got shot and they're supposed to like pretend to be dead. And it, that was the premise that I heard about it. Like that was the one part and I was like, I just have to see this because that sounds like super cringy, but also super hilarious. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. This is like the biggest social construct I've ever seen. They basically give like secret powers to people. They'll just choose you. They'll be like, hey, 118, 118 and 50, come to the kitchen. Those two people will go there and they'll be like, hey, you've gotten the power to eliminate one one person or to give someone this random power and they like fight for a second but immediately like they're anonymous they can do whatever they want and they just eliminate people like it is cutthroat these people because every person that gets eliminated is ten thousand dollars in the pot like the winner gets 4.56 million dollars or something crazy like that it is so much fun it's got all most of the most of the games from the show, plus a few more, um, and it is just a wild ride. It is so much fun. It's definitely, it's got a little bit more of American feel because they have like older board games that they have kind of translated into Name one. bigger games. Tell us, like Rock and Robots? Oh. No. So basically they, um, they have a game of Battleship where they set up people and if their boats get sunk, Everybody on that boat gets eliminated. It doesn't even matter if they win the game. If they get eliminated, they're done. And a lot of these people come in with other people. Like there's the, a mom-son combo. There's like best friends. There's sisters. Like there's all these Dang. people. And there's literally like, if you can think of the the moment where they're doing the marble game, where it's like a person and another person that love each other fighting to the death there's literally that that happens that they didn't expect and it happened and it was crazy just high drama and it will just seek you sink you in you're just going to be like next episode next episode next how many episodes are there there are 10 i believe and they fly by let me tell you like you you can't just watch one because it's always going to be end on a cliffhanger and you're just like, I've got to figure it out. I, I got to see what the next game is. It is so good. So, so good. I think it, it's, it definitely shows kind of like the human condition in all its beauty and awfulness. So right. I, I love it. I honestly, it's, you know, we watch a lot of reality TV because it's just like so entertaining. Um, and it is one of the best, one of the best. That's wild to yeah. hear that that made your top six. Do yeah. you, is it recency bias potentially? I'm just going to ask a question. Is. It probably okay. is. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like we, you know, I, w- I wanted to, you know, have some sort of, um, like when you look at my list, I want it to be a characteristic of my year. You know, right. we, you know, we watch Big Brother, we watch Survivor, we watch, you know, a lot of these reality TV shows. And honestly, a lot of them can kind of fall flat of like things that just are done before. Mm-hmm. And when we heard about this Squid Game reality TV show, it was kind of like, could that even work? It, it just, I don't know if it would work. You know, I remember Alex saying like, does Squid Game work because it's like from like a South Korean setting? Yeah. And I yeah. was like, well, I don't think so. I think it, I think it would just work no matter what. And from this, like, 
all the contestants were from all across the world and it just worked it it is the weirdest thing of kind of a known commodity that we know and love of a tv show and making it into a reality tv show i've never seen that kind of like one-to-one nature that's worked so well for both of them so i, I would at least give it a watch like i think it is recency wise because i've watched it in the last month but mm-hmm. um i feel like i've told so many people about this recently like i feel like even if it was the beginning of the year i would still be talking about it wow okay yeah give it a shout give it a shout I do like game show. I mean, like there was a time where I loved the amazing race, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like if you want to see people kind of like backstab as much as possible, like it is, this is the game. This is the game. Wow. I mean, the only question with shows like this though, is how much of it is like directed or not. Cause yes, it's a mm-hmm. reality show, but typically all these shows have some sort of, level of like handling right to like get these scenarios to occur so it's mm-hmm. like i guess it's a level of enjoying it for the fact that it happens but not necessarily that it was like actually real that it happened you know because yeah there's always that level of like up oh, the invisible hand is kind of directing this and eventually maybe the outcome is random right or it's like you know however it may be but actually getting there isn't as coincidental as it might have been in the first place so you know just going in with reservations every single time you watch a show like that yeah like it i i definitely hear you i i want you guys just to watch an episode because the amount of just loose cannons that they put on this like of course they're selecting 400 somewhat unhinged people right right (laughs) that's what i'm imagining big personalities um it is it's very entertaining very very entertaining all right alex i'm I'm sorry i probably stole your number five like it it probably is also squid game the challenge but go ahead oh yeah yeah. we can just move on to number four then right (laughs) no i'm kidding tell me what your uh, number five is all right number five you know talk about unhinged people you know this it's a similar i guess i don't want to say genre but kind of stake right of when you are in this type of thing, you want to see like unhinged stuff or like typically people kind of raise the bar. It's a movie and it's one I've mentioned in the past, but of course I had to make my list because it definitely stuck with me. And, you know, maybe slight spoilers. It's my favorite movie I've seen this year. And that is Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves. Let's go. Nice. You know, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Hugh Grant, Justice Smith, amongst, you know, many of the other people that cameoed or appeared. And this is that movie where I typically am not the biggest fantasy guy, you know, stuff like Game of Thrones, maybe Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Like, I don't necessarily enjoy, I guess, like Western fantasy to that degree, right? Like when you have like elves, orcs, trolls, that type of stuff. And even though D&D is couched in that type of fantasy, I feel like D&D also has the avenues of possibility of right going into the ridiculous kind of playing up, you know, tropes, right. You know, you have the alignment chart, right. Going from uh, chaotic to lawful good. Right. And I feel the way they tackle Dungeons and Dragons as a movie did such a great job of kind of going along that diagram and kind of having representation of any type of character you might come across in an actual D and D campaign campaign whether you watch it or kind of participate 
And I enjoyed it because of how fun it was because of that fact, right? Like it's very kind of low stakes. Obviously they play up the drama and there's like backstab betrayals, you know, star cross lovers at all that good stuff but it comes down to being like oh this is a dnd this could be an actual dnd campaign that you experience yourself right if you were if you love this movie that much you could have that same experience with you and your mm-hmm. group of friends and on top of that it gives me hope to say if they want to continue kind of this series of dungeons and dragons movies like they can continue it and it they don't have to be connected like this can be that type of like anthology type series where you have the framework of D&D, but it's not necessarily sequels to each other. Yes, characters can reappear, right? Like maybe it's the same world or you can have completely different campaigns, different setting, different characters. And I feel like it could be that next kind of big thing where also maybe they can go different tones, right? It doesn't have to necessarily just be comedic. It could be more serious, like a kind of more true-blooded fantasy type story. And so I think the premise has such a good flexible framework that I enjoyed this so much. Like I want them to continue to make more Dungeons and Dragons style movies, whether or not the actors return, you know, that's up to their choice, but I'm fine with either maybe brand new blank slate cast would be great as well. I definitely agree that this makes one of my honorable mentions. Like it was a great movie and I've, and I honest, I'm always like, Oh, I need to watch it again. I need to watch mm-hmm. it again. Um, Jonathan. For me, Jonathan, no movie made my list this year. Um, <gasps> mainly because it felt like nothing really grabbed me enough to watch it like more than two times do you know what mm-hmm. i mean or like the thing that i okay. like that's fair thought about the movie again or like ma- it made me think about it like you mm-hmm. know there were movies that made me think for like a week around when it came out but then like i kind of never thought about it again mm-hmm. um but dungeons and dragons was so fun i really enjoyed that and i'm always like oh yeah i need to try i should just watch that again mm-hmm. yeah no i think this was a great movie i i really enjoyed it um i honestly think it's probably the best effects that i've seen all year i I think that the magic in that movie was the most impressive that i've seen out of anything from marvel anything from anything else like any other property i would take these effects and put them over it um i i just thought like i could see a fantasy video game which is like where my mind immediately goes that those are the effects that they would want to show on the screen they made it much more interactive in the sense of like a a rock hand that's literally fighting against another like witch's hand in mm-hmm. in the midair. Like the people that have seen this movie, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. That oh, was yeah. so impressive. We so, probably so should impressive. have prefaced this at the very beginning, you know, minor to slight to major spoilers potentially True. for anything we mention. <laughs> you know, like obviously we won't intentionally do it, but if it probably lends to the reason as to why i made our top experience mm-hmm. there might be some sort of you know in-depth conversation so we'll probably have to couch that or patch it in or maybe just in the timestamps or in yeah, just put it in the we'll, timestamps yeah, yeah we'll have a warning i i feel like so can we just go full spoilers then for all these things because there are certain aspects of this movie that i think makes it into a great movie this year for me yeah, let's do spoilers. Two things. All right. Two all things. Right. We, we can patch it in. We'll like patch it in later and then put in the description just to make sure people okay. are, are warned. I don't know why you need to announce that you're going to patch it in later because we're just going to put in the description. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're already it's beyond the curtain. It's beyond far. the curtain. All right. Um, it's patched. 
<laughs> um, Michelle Rodriguez, Chris Pine. I loved that they did not love each other romantically. Like I yeah, enjoyed 100%. having like a man and a woman in the platonic first, life friends in two roles, and they're just friends. They are just. Yep. They are basically just pals, and I it, love that. It's because and their relationships into short kings, you know, and that's yeah, that's very short true. Um, that's true. <laughs> and I honestly think that um, them using the redemption stone on Michelle Rodriguez's character in the end, like that, was the way that should have ended. If they would have left her dead and then brought back a wife that we had no connection to that entire time, like I felt like it it like had such a deeper meaning of like what it means to have a family. Like it does not need to be like a mom. And I'm not saying like screw her mom, you know, she died, but like, I'm not saying anything like that. Like, but like Michelle Rodriguez kind of filled that role. And I feel like his daughter, that was the right move. And like, I love that ending. I, I honestly think it was one of the best endings that I've seen that's like stuck with me like i've thought about that ending after it i've not thought about the whole movie like i agree with you tiffany my 10 out of 10 movies i only give a five out of five on letterbox if it's one of those movies that i think about all the time and i've not been able to give that this year like i have a ton of nines but um that 10 out of 10 very elusive but that ending mm, chef's kiss so good that's so funny. Like for Letterbox, I for later Letterbox and Goodreads, I will five out of five them. I'll round up. Letterbox actually does let you do half a star, which is honestly yeah. like really helpful to me. So Goodreads, nice. you can't. Um, so there are some caveats where I'm like, this is really a four point five, but I'm just gonna give it a five on Goodreads. But um, I gave a lot of movies fives this year, but in my heart, it I didn't think about it again. So it's maybe like when it's, you when you clear like a platformer and you get like three stars out of three stars, but you don't find like, that secret ending. And you're ending like, I, I can break a board in half. I feel that great. secret ending puts like an S over top of it. You're just yeah. waiting for the S. Yeah. yeah. I, I get you. I get you. Great movie. Uh, Tiffany, what's your number five? So my number five is an actual real life experience where I went <gasps> to go touch grass touching grass and this is just a shout out endorsement i went to two board game conventions this year but one overtook the other where were they my number five oh i went to gen con which is in indianapolis and i went to pax unplugged which is in philadelphia and my number five experience is pax unplugged okay cool PAX Unplugged is a board game convention that is organized by Penny Arcade, you know, which does PAX West, PAX East, um, now the defunct PAX South, I think. I think that one no longer exists. But, you know, mostly video games, but uh, PAX Unplugged has been around since like 2017, 2018. I went to the inaugural one and had a really great time. A a smaller, definitely a, a smaller convention compared to Gen Con, which is the biggest North American board game convention in America. Oh, I just said that. Wait, North American Board King Convention. Gen Con's mm-hmm. the biggest one. So huge, tons of people, lots of space, etc. But PAX Unplugged is just, you know, it's like big enough. There were some vendors that were missing that I was very disappointed about. Um, you know, but I feel like they kind of alternate maybe each year that just kind of depends. It just wasn't in the cards. Or maybe, haha, pun intended. Um, or they just didn't have a big release for the year, so they didn't come. But overall, like... 
I had a great time. It helped, too, that this year my friends and I managed to get a hotel room right next to the convention center. So there was very little commute. And I got to meet a friend in real life uh, for the first time at PAX Unplugged. Shout out to Keith. Keith. Friend of the show. Nice. Yeah, so three days of fun. Gen Con is four days. So that's another thing. Like maybe you're, maybe it's too much if it's that extra mm-hmm. day. You know, it kind of makes a difference almost for a convention. So I've been to different conventions, never been to a board game convention. Say I came with you. What yeah. type of thing would we be doing? Do we so, just play board games or what's, yeah. what's that look like? So we would walk the vendor floor and we would like, they would set up, they have demo tables set up, which is really cool. So you can, you know, half the game, I feel, well, not half. I feel like a third of the games that we saw, they're like, oh, we're going to put this on Kickstarter in the spring or, oh, this isn't made yet. Oh, this is a prototype. But you kind of demo some games. Um, they have a board game library, which is free at PAX Unplugged, which is really nice, where they have over like hundreds and hundreds of board games available for you to just kind of check out like a literally like a library to Mm -hmm. play in the hall. And so you can go and like go through the, you know, whatever stacks they have available, pick one up, scan out your badge, play the game, you know, hour or two, bada bing, bada boom, go return it, get another one. You know, if you're going with friends, you and your friends can each get one. So sometimes you can squat. Nice. Like we go in, we each get one board game. So then we come back with like three board games. We sit and like play for like six hours, you know, turn it in, all that jazz. I really like the ability to, to um, just check out the new stuff, see what's, what's around. I also really like the ability to test out board games in the board game library so that, you know, do I really want to buy this game? You know what I mean? Like theoretically Mm -hmm. I'm like, that sounds like a perfect game. And then I play it and I'm like, I never want to play this again. Right. Or like, (laughs) I don't need this. Like, or Mm -hmm. there's another game that does this better. I don't care. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just really fun. Like, you know, like, and it's low key and like, you know, you know, Pennsylvania. No, he doesn't know because cool. he's never been. He just oh, okay. That. I know. Tell I'm me. So tell sorry. Me. Tell me how fun it is. Uh, how, but, how big are, are these conventions? Like, how many people are, are showing out oh, for God. this? Gen Con is like, like 80,000 people or something. Sheesh. I, I was not expecting 80,000. No, Je- I, I oh, might be oh. over embellishing. Let me check really quick. I do have to say, PAX Unplugged is astronomically smaller smaller right? okay yeah so gen con attendees let's see here alex 70, did you go 000. to any of these google Looker? is says yeah i went to both oh nice and so i guess so i'll just couch it here because it'll just be easier uh this is my number two experience of the year. <gasps> so jumping that nice. high up uh and i don't okay. pick one over the other even though i went to both as well but for me, the reason they rose to the number two spot is that it really was an eye opener to say, you know, you know, in my lifetime, in my hobbies, I really catch myself in being more of the video game side, right? So the digital games rather than the physical games. And so having been to other conventions, right, related to video games, you know, PAX, e- or PAX West, uh, E3, PlayStation Experience, that you know, you kind of get the feeling, right? You don't really understand, I guess, how widespread these hobbies are until you kind of go to these conventions, right? And you get to see everyone that's coming or that's willing to, you know, to invest the time and money to go to these things. And so because board games are so distant from me in terms of my experience and kind of involvement until I 
went to these board game conventions this year, I didn't really understand how widespread it was. And it was just nice to see kind of, right. It runs the gamut. You know, you have people with children, right. These babies that are just like learning how to read and write, you know, or getting into board games. And you have these like grandparents who are maybe pushing like 60, yes. 70 years old that yes. are still coming out to these things because of how much they love board games. And so it's just nice to see that wide range of, how obviously board games can be designed for everybody, right? There's board games of different types for different age groups. And it was just nice to see that. And it's just right. Similar to most hobbies where you just have these conventions where you get people to come together, you get to interact, not just with other patrons, but right with the vendors. So a lot of the times the designers themselves of these games are there, you know, kind of advertising their games. And so you can talk to them. And in some cases, maybe kind of pick their brain or they ask you, you know, for your input so they can pick your brain and maybe have improvements. There was um, one game that we played uh, in particular called Scribble Me This, which is this kind of like combination Pictionary riddle, riddle. combination crossover. And the uh, the vendor, the design, one of the designers was there, you know, demonstrating the game for us. And he asked us a lot of input, you know, just to be like, you know, we have these I guess problems with the design or kind of people have raised these questions. I just wanted your guys' thoughts because I have thoughts on my own, but since you just demoed it, you know, what do you think? And it was nice to kind of be a part of that creative process. Obviously we won't be cited on any sort of booklets for making the game, but it was nice to be able to kind of give them that feedback directly, right. To have that, you know, direct line of communication. And to piggyback off that, that experience so legitimately we were in line to buy merchandise as one does and that designer literally just walked up to us and was like hey do you like riddles and i like we just turned around and we're like yeah and he's like here you go and here's a free game check out my booth and i was and we were like okay and he literally handed us um, a small game that we still have yet to open and then like three riddle cards and like he's like you know come by the booth to see if your answer's right and he literally walked away and so I mean I looked at him I was like dude I love riddles and he's like okay cool so then he's gone and we're like in the line standing there <laughs> waiting to buy our merchandise and we're like each like looking at our riddle cards and trying to figure it out and so at the end of that day, we just, or the end of the convention day, we go to the booth to be like, let's check it out to see if our answers are right. And we go there and we like see the game and it looks kind of cool. They tell us the premise and we're like, oh, is our, is our riddles correct? And we give them the answers like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, the actual answer wasn't the beach. It was surfing. And we were like, oh, and then, you know, I, I looked at him and was like, can we demo your game? And he said... Uh, I mean, like we're. Cl- I mean, basically, they were closing up. You're like, oh, we need more than just ten minutes because the hall was going to close in ten minutes. It's like, stop by tomorrow. And I was like, okay, we're we're coming back tomorrow. And then he was like, okay. So then the next day we show up. I was like, and then he's like, like, oh, are you, you guys threatening me? No. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you guys were serious. And we're like, yeah, let's play this game. Great game, Matt. This game. So basically, the premise is that you get a card, and on one side there's a word, and on the other side there's a riddle. When you get handed your original card, you just see the word. You pictionary that. You're given like a whiteboard. You draw the thing on there, right? Like if it says pig, you draw a pig. If it says like stairs, you draw stairs. And then what you do is that you put the cards back. You kind of 
hide the card that you just had and you put it back in this like little pocket thing and then uh-huh. what happens is is that when everyone's done drawing their cards you throw your drawings in the middle of the room in the middle of the table and then um one person takes all the cards flips it to the other side shuffles them and then basically reads the riddle and then you have to guess which drawing is the answer to that riddle okay and some people don't even know if let's say i drew a pig and all these riddles came out and i was like which one was the answer the pig like some people were like i don't even know what the answer to my own riddle was you know what i mean and so and then you get points at the end and you get points for drawing like you get points for people guessing your drawing correctly and then you get points for guessing the others correctly okay does that make sense so it's kind of um what is that like it's like uh it's not really telestrations, but it's like similar to telestrations as far yeah, as like drawing point system and, and drawing. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, that but sounds awesome. Is that early really access fun. or that was early access? He's like okay. coming out on Kickstarter in the spring. Please get on our email listserv. You know, check it out. And I was like, listen, the artwork of the box looked professional. Like I was like, they put some money into this definitely, and like I can a hundred percent. I'm gonna be honest, unless they totally screw it up. They have to be in Target by next year. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like, I, this Call game could totally be in Target. Could totally What's the name be in of this Barcelona. game again. Scribble me this, and that's a great uh, name. Nice. That's like, perfect. riddle me this. Can you yeah. believe? Like, yep. mwah. yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. just one of the moments, Matt. Like, great time. Again, at both conventions, but Pax Unplugged was a little bit more special. It felt like. Cool. That's awesome. Now I kind of want to go to one of these board game conventions, which I like. I barely I, like. I need to start working through some of the board games that you've <laughs> you've gifted us recently. I need Listen, to like actually work through them before I go to a board. I'm game also convention. happy to teach more. I I Listen. one one time at PAX Unplugged, I promise is the last story for me. But in 2019, mm-hmm. literally one of the vendors like gave me his card and was like, "We pay people to demo games." Like if you want to, like if you want to be one that of that sounds like the most people. Tiffany game I've. I'm <laughs> sorry, the most Tiffany job I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. He literally was like, "Here's my card. You know, next year if you want to like demo for us or whatever. I mean, we hire people to like do this. You know. So this us, wasn't so. your first year doing PAX Unplugged. Pax Unplugged. And all it is things? not. This is my okay. third time. Okay. It's my third time. Go cool. veteran. And veteran. I want to go back. Sweet. Next year it is. Yep. All right. My fifth. The funny thing about this fifth one is that this recommended experience was actually a recommended experience from last year from one of my co-hosts. It is Project Hail Mary, (gasps) which was one of Tiffany's recommended experiences. Um, It was a goal of mine to read 12 books this year i'm historically not a reader um but i wanted to talk about my reading journey i know i know who knew um that's what those words were for um andy wire who did the martian i which i also read this year um project hail mary is one of those books kind of like the movies that i was talking about a book that i still think about to this day like i i still think about that story I was emotional from reading that 
Mm-hmm. And I was immediately thinking, I can't wait for this movie to come out. Like, I, I just cannot wait to see it on the big screen. Ryan Gosling is going to play it. the main protagonist. Yeah. I was like, this guy's really jokey. You know, Ryan Gosling, he's kind of like funny, you know, kind mm-hmm. of. He's kind mm-hmm. of funny. Like, n- maybe not exactly what I think about for Ryan Gosling. But then Barbie came out and I was like, well, there goes all those you know, worries like he's he's yeah. like he's gonna like um I'm just kin like the entire time like mm-hmm. he's just gonna sing and do whatever and be like amazing um it was amazing the book was so good I'm so glad you recommended it because best book of the year it was the first one of the first books that I read this year might have been even the first book I read and nothing has gone back compared to it. like yeah yeah and, but I've the, be honest. Most of my uh, Goodreads, like fours or fives, like there's nothing less than a four because I'm not, I don't read very much. So I've like compiled all these great recommendations from you and from other friends. And so I'm reading. Yeah, these are straight bangers. And what I found out, like I am big into movies, big, big into movies. Um, The majority of the rest of my list are movies, just so you guys know. So we balance each other out, Tiffany. Um, Perfect. What I found out is that mo- a majority of these movies that are coming out are based on books. And a majority of these books that are coming out are being auctioned off Into to movies. all these big companies to become movies. And I am just blown away by that fact. Majority of the, the books that I read this year um, either have become movies mm-hmm. or are going to become movies. Um, I read two of the Dune books. I read um, uh, No Country for Old Men, which was amazing. I watched The Martian. I I read um, Project Hair Mary. Like, there is so many of these movie tie-in books that are just everywhere. And -hmm, it makes mm -hmm. me think that reading is going to be, like, a bigger hobby for me going forward. Like, I may not meet my 12-book goal. I've got nine. We'll see if I can, you know, churn one more out before Mm -hmm. the end of the year. But like I, this is definitely something that I want to keep doing because I think it makes me appreciate movies more, as something that I'm very passionate about. Um, so yeah, thanks Tiffany, thanks for You're recommending welcome. it. That makes me it's so amazing. happy. Yeah. yeah. So did you not watch The Martian before? Like you I did. read and sorry. Oh, you have. I, I watched The Martian. I think I said I watched The Martian, but I, I read The Martian this year. Okay, but you had seen the movie before you read it. I had. I had. Okay, okay. But but still, Martian, great book. Like, yeah, great and movie. great movie. Both. Yeah. Both. Um, I do have to say, so, you know, Fourth Wing and Iron really made my list this year, but it's not at the, it, it's not at the passion that I have for Project Hail Mary. And I can, I can, like, uh, like a hundred percent wholeheartedly say that project Hail Mary was the best book I read in 2022. Yeah. And this year alone, I've gifted that book to two people because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the best book I've read in the last like couple years. Um, I don't have a book like that this year. That spoiler, gotcha. a book yeah. is not my number one, but Ooh, I'm okay. so happy that you read it and enjoyed it. Yeah. If you're into science fiction, um, you know, I was talking to the person that cuts my hair and she's into books like really into books and i was telling her about it she said she tried but she was like nope too sciencey like not not something that i want to because he literally goes through the scientific method yes like he's like i have a conundrum i'm going to die 
I need to figure this out. And he starts doing the scientific method. And for Mm -hmm. me, who like my undergrad was in biochemistry, like I wanted to be a chemistry teacher in high school. Like Mm -hmm. this is like, this was just like almost resetting some of the factory settings like that I've gone to now where it's like, yeah, I haven't thought about like the scientific method. Like, cause that's, you know, I'm not just a, a scientist. Like I work in the medical field, but like not, not just a straight up scientist, like figuring out hypotheses and, and, and testing it. Um, man, it, it is just, it tickles that side of my brain and I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Because you're also seeing in The Martian too. Like, yes. I am a huge fan of, is it Andy Weir? I've been saying Andy Weir, Weir. Yeah, yeah but I don't, I don't actually know. I don't actually know. However you pronounce his name, doesn't matter because it's amazing. Like, he is, he is just a gift. So I can't wait to see what he does next. Highly, highly recommend. All right, Alex, number four. Number four, speaking of adaptations, you know, this is another kind of adaptation. Uh, and I guess it's not just this one thing, but it's the experience as a whole. So my number four is Broadway. And okay. by okay. Broadway, I mean musicals, you know, plays. So this year was the first year I went to two musicals this year. First time I've ever seen shows on Broadway in New York City. and But more specifically, the what kind of makes it for me is that one of the musicals uh, Tiffany and I saw this year was the back to the future musical. So it debuted this year on Broadway in the winter garden theater. And it is an adaptation of the first movie. So only the first one, we don't go into parts two or three and you know, back to the future, the, the franchise being one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. It was great to be able to see a musical version of it. And also with how they adapted it with being, you know, basically 90% of the same, right? There are some scenes that they had to fill in that, I guess, connected more being a uh, musical slash play representation. And there were some songs slash events that don't happen in the movie, but, you know, they wanted to have some creative fun. So there were some uh, new uh, scenes made just for the musical. Uh, But not having been to any musicals prior to this, uh, it really opened my eyes to seeing the attraction, right, of and the kind of power of a musical and how, right, live performance in that way is so different from like a TV show or movie, right, where you have these actors, you have the magic of editing, and there are these kind of like layers are saying, right, the actors can try as many times as they would like or the director can tell the actors to take as many takes as they would like. And then as well as, you know, kind of hiding the imperfections right through the magic of editing, but then seeing something live and having to basically nail it on the first take, right? It, there's a lot of respect there, you know, to make sure that these are professionals, they know what they're doing, right? They're hitting the notes when they're singing, they're hit landing the dance moves, you know, there's no accidental falls or, you know, props, sta- you know, props on the stage, you know, going haywire inadvertently. And it was just a great time and like being able to experience it and just seeing their take, right, especially with the non-canon stuff in terms of, like, the new original content they made, it was a fun take, you know, I it wasn't like, oh, I didn't like it because it w- wasn't just the movie adapted one-to-one, but it was better because, obviously, I know the movie, I've seen it several times, right, and I rarely watch movies more than once, 
and so being able to see all the notes of saying, oh, yeah, this is from that part or this is specifically mm-hmm. referencing this other thing. But then having these surprises of like, man, we just came from intermission and this is the song that yeah. they choose to do, which is brand new. Right. And me being surprised of like, I don't know. Like, obviously, this wasn't in the movie, but this was such a great kind of, okay, we just came off of intermission. Maybe you've, like, kind of lost yourself a bit, right? You're taking a break. But then you just get drawn right back in because the song just goes that hard. And it's just, like, a fun (laughs) tune. So, uh, yeah, Broadway in general. So I recommend, you know, pick the ones. Maybe there's, like, a traveling show you can go to if you can't make it out to New York City. But I definitely recommend kind of, like, live musical slash plays in that regard because it definitely opened my eyes uh, to why people, you know, a lot of people, right, uh, one of our cousins is huge into plays. You know, he goes to plays maybe on, like, a weekly basis even. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of understand that feeling even more so now. Yeah. And we have one more Broadway show uh, before the year's over. We're going to see Frozen. Nice. Uh, They're going to be local. So we're excited for that. That's next week. I watched uh, Broadway on tour this year. Uh, They did Hamilton. I saw that. I traveled out across the state to see it. Um, Awesome. Really, really good. Yeah. Which I know like Hamilton, like the, the, the zeitgeist has like, eased a little bit but we've like been wanting to like see it and like hear that music live and it's just 100 worth it so good still so good um still the tickets sold out within like 30 minutes like so like i don't know if the zeitgeist is still like completely gone but it is it was so such a good experience love it i do have to say one thing that was kind of a bummer is that both of our weekends that we went to broadway the like we each had a show booked each weekend that were ended up being canceled oh really so it's really it's so basically guys support broadway and support the artists like go go see the show yeah uh the shows that we wanted to see basically had to close down due to like lack of bookings really okay yes yes were they both in new york city yes they were both in new york York city so we were traveling and we were like well guess we gotta guess that's it time to pivot yeah we gotta pivot Still a great time with the shows that we did see. Cool. Tiffany, number four. So number four is something that all three of us have experienced this year. And my number four is the Loki season two. Okay. I love that show. It was the best. It's the best show. Loki, the show, is the best Marvel show, hands down. Like, I used to kind of battle with WandaVision a little bit, but season two really kind of put it over the edge for me for best Marvel sh- production. I mean, one I would argue that it's the best Marvel production this year. Um, I mean, maybe not against Across the Spider-Verse, but whatever. Neither here nor there. Uh, season two gave a very nice... Spoilers! I'm going to talk about spoilers, spoilers! Uh, nice ending to Loki. I really hope we see him again. Um, I don't know that we will, but I really liked the introduction of the new characters this mm-hmm. season. I like the closure of Loki's story. Um, I know I said spoilers, but I almost don't even really want to do that deep of a spoilers for this one, unless you guys want to get into it. But I, I think it was just a great journey for him and I really enjoyed it. And that's why this is my number four recommended experience. And when I thought that 
Kevin Feige couldn't get more impressive. He started working with this multiverse. He started with Loki. Now he has Loki 2. And then Jonathan Majors is found guilty of assault. And they're like, perfect. We basically wrote this in the script. Like, we (laughs) we are just retconning this entire situation and pivoting from him, which really sucks because I think he was awesome, which Mm -hmm. also, like, he had some issues, which is not awesome. But I think he was great in that role. But um, I think it's, this is good. Like, at least maybe they can pivot to maybe another story that is, like, the next big bad. And maybe it's not Kang. Um, and that's okay. Uh, because I think Loki Season 2 was a great end to the Kang story as well. Like, I, I think, in my mind, that puts it in a bow to where they don't really need to explain anything else. Like, yeah. in my mind, you know, I, I still haven't seen Mar- the Marvels. Um, which is probably the longest I've been (laughs) without seeing the newest Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. So um, that might be a sign of the times for me. But um, I think this is this is perfect. I think that season is recommended watching. Like, yeah, I looked back at some of these Disney Plus shows. I have a hard time telling someone that they need to watch all of them. Honestly, watch a youtube video that says like hey captain america is not captain america that you thought you knew anymore like he gave the shield to someone else um but like loki season one and season two not only should they be watched you should want to watch them they're just good tv like honestly i watched loki season two on a plane so six straight hours i was going from la to charlotte and six hours watched all six episodes in a row didn't sleep fantastic like it was just amazing it filled that time so well and i was just like wanting to get to the next episode um yeah. it's definitely an honorable mention for me it did not make my top six uh, but it definitely got close because it is definitely easily easily the best thing that marvel has put out in a long time out, out you know outside of across the spider-verse yeah same caveat and it does fill in nicely with it being six episodes, at least season two. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes it feels like maybe some shows go on like a little bit longer. It's like, oh, this could have ended in six episodes or less. And it feels like they're just doing more for the sake of doing more, but not necessarily having the content to like fill it out all the way. So me too, being able to just write easily. I, it took me two over two different days, but in a weekend, right, to be able to just watch it and be done with it, but also have a good time, right? Shout outs to Owen Wilson, wow. Mobius and Mobius, the goat, you know, the goat character. Um, that is just so easy to get through. And I think for me, not watching a lot of TV or TV is not really like in my uh, primary kind of priority list of I, I'm going to watch something that the shorter it is and also the better it is like the more easily I'll be able to kind of like sit down get through it knock it out and move on mm-hmm. yeah fantastic love Loki I also have a TV show for my number four talking about adaptations talking about a TV show my number four is The Last of Us Nice. Um, I almost forgot that this came out in 2023. I'll be honest with you guys. I searched this morning, like, 
what TV shows came out in 2023 because I felt like this is like the longest and shortest year of my life. Yeah. Um, and I was like, really? The last of us was in 2022? And I had to just make sure. But it was January 15th, 2023. So just made it. And it was amazing. The best adaptation that's happened. Like Game Awards confirmed it. It um, Great, great show. Um, I... Don't really have a lot to say about it because I, I just think for for me who I have never played The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part Two, which mm-hmm. I I plan to play within the next couple months because Last of Us Part Two remaster, remake, reskin, resell, Recharge. whatever it's going to be called, yeah, yeah, revengeance, redemption. Um, it comes out soon, so I want to I want to play these finally. But I was a little bit worried, like, maybe this just won't hit so well for me. And I was completely engrossed. Um, Maddie loved it. Like, we both just, like, dove into it. And she's not a gamer, not planning to be a gamer. Like, it is just, like, it was just a good TV show. So this is honestly where I hope video game adaptations go from here. Like, you, you look at, like, Michael Fassbender in Assassin's Creed, and it's almost like it has a caveat next to it, and it's like, video game movie sorry like yeah. i'm so sorry you have to watch this but it's about a video game this is what it could be which last of us also is probably a much better story than some of these other games but an adaptation doesn't have to be a downgrade and that's what i loved about it and i i think they were like super skillful and how they shot everything and, and who portrayed all these characters that i'm i'm pumped I, i'm pumped to, to play the game and to see season two which hopefully comes out sooner than later it's probably another like it's probably 2025 probably, i probably. also really enjoyed the last of us i watched it with two friends one of wh- one of whom was familiar with the video game and his um his fiance was not but we both and like i knew the story but i've never played the video games don't really plan on it i'm not in big into stealth but i really enjoyed the adaptation as well i thought it was fantastic really liked it a lot i'm happy that they were able to Pretty much, you know, it's like 95% adapt the story directly from the game into the show. And it goes to show, right, like video game stories aren't just like for children. You know, it feels like kind of there's a stigma with games or for kids, you know, they don't, they're not serious. But there are stories out there like The Last of Us that if you just take the story wholesale, which they really didn't cut anything out. They like added stuff that wasn't in the game, but everything else that was in the game was there. Uh that it these are great amazing stories right that have depth of character that have character growth and that have kind of like touching wrenching moments right and i would say that the only thing you're really missing is that right with games being interactive there are key moments that feel less tense because you're just watching it and so stuff like and i'll just say it generally but obviously the ending kind of choice that joel makes uh, the stuff with Henry and Sam, right? Like when you're playing it, when you're on the sticks, it is so much more impactful, right? Because it's you progressing it. Like you have to do this, right? Like in the show, you see what Joel does, but in the game, even though it's Joel doing the thing, you have to commit the act, right? Like you're causing the story to move forward. And so there's a level of impact that is slightly removed, which I think right it's just the nature of the medium you can't translate that it's impossible but at the same time it also goes to show right that's just the story itself is so powerful and honestly with part two it 
is definitely going to be interesting in, to see the audience's reaction because I know a lot of people have you know become attached to these characters that appear even Tess right who only appears for the first couple episodes a lot of people loved her uh and there's a lot more characters right that you come and go in the franchise and especially in in part two there's a lot more characters you're introduced to and you know alongside that a lot more characters you're gonna have to let go of just due to the nature of what the last of us is and so i'm interested to see kind of the more general public's reaction because i think part two pushes the boundaries even farther than what you think if you thought part one kind of pushed it especially with the ending and so i'm really excited for it you know it didn't make my top six but it is definitely a honorable mention uh because of just how good it was and the fact that right this story this game originally came out in 2013 and so it was a this is a decade later right so the fact that a story of this caliber came out that long ago you know there's Right, there's so many games out there with incredible stories that also hopefully can see translation or adaptation to kind of the small screen or even the silver screen using uh, The Last of Us HBO series as a kind of way, or was it like the way marker, keystone, whatever you want to say, as the guiding light to say, if we want to adapt this, this is how we should do it, right? Be true to the story, be true to the canon source material, because if it is a good story, like the audience will like it because you know gamers loved it when it first came out well said well said so moving right back to you alex number three top three experiences now number three number three okay so this isn't the adaptation because i wasn't going to segue it to be like oh speaking of adaptations uh (laughs) but it's not the adaptation but it is the source and I guess technically it is an adaptation. It's both the source, though. Anyway, it's One Piece, the anime. So I'm not talking about the live action series that came out because oh, I have still okay. yet to watch it. But in the very beginning of 2023, my January 2023 was basically One Piece, the anime. I watched 400 episodes of the anime. That's all I watched of One Piece, actually, in 2023 so far. So my January was it. I haven't watched any more since. I went all the way from uh, the... uh, I forget the name of the arc, but basically when they meet Brooke, uh, when Brooke gets added to the crew, all the way up through the end of Dressrosa. And so that's kind of like what I covered. That's a lot of content, you know, a lot of major plot points. Oh, Thriller Bark. Yes. Thriller Matt. Bark, yeah. Yes, Thriller Bark. Thank you for that. Thriller Bark Nakama. arc th- through <laughs> the end. Yeah, Nakama. Uh, through the end of Dressrosa. And I want to say this, you know, having watched some of One Piece back during college, right, the, the first 300 or so episodes, and kind of like understanding, oh, the, you know, this is one of those legendary animes, right, mangas out there that has been going on for decades. You know, we're mm-hmm. probably by the time this ends, it's going to be like three decades worth of yeah. storytelling coming to, uh, in a cul- final culmination, but going through it and mostly also being motivated by the fact that I wanted to play the RPG that came out in January, um, and using that as a motivation, to go through it. It showed me having watched the episodes why people love it so much because it's just a good show like this is your quintessential 
bonds you know you have your main character who's basically lawful good you know he's out there to help everyone and anybody that comes across his path yet he still has his you know soul mission in life right to find the one piece to become the king of pirates and he's doing this and right just with his natural charisma finding these people you know forming his crew making friends nakama's match said shout out to all nakama's out there that <laughs> or tomodachi's i don't know i feel like yeah what like what's the difference i think because tomodachi's also friend but then they use nakama in one piece i don't know what the difference is but anyway friends and being able to go through it and enjoy it as much as i did despite the fact that it's been so long and to be able to not be spoiled right because obviously even though it's been out for so long and spoilers are out there but it's not really something you can't spoil because so much happens. Like even within these smaller arcs, you're going on these like lifetime journeys with some of these characters. It feels like where so much happens to them, so much growth and it's just such a great journey. And the fact that they are able to have adapted to it in a live action on Netflix and expose it to more people. I hope those people who did enjoy the live action version, go out, read the manga or watch the anime because it's that story, but obviously a lot more, you know, is filled in, right? Cause they probably had to take some uh, conveniences just to kind of shorten the arcs. Otherwise it'd probably be also 30 years of live action recording to get through it. And <laughs> God knows those actors aren't <laughs> going to stay their ages forever. So, yeah, it's my number three. I'm happy, excited to continue the journey. Who knows, maybe my January 2024 is going to be another 400 episodes. Maybe I'll just catch up to the current uh, airing. So not necessarily I'll be watching it week to week, but maybe that's just my now January of every year. I just go through a bunch of One Piece, um, but definitely have no regrets this year. Did you hear the news that they're remaking One Piece, the anime? They're literally oh, like, but they're remaking like one particular arc, right? It's not like all of it, I think. Well, it's like the beginning. I'm pretty sure they're like starting or with the romance the, or of it's the, the dawn. East Blue. Yeah, I think they're yeah, remaking they... East Blue arc. Yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. And I'm like, it's not even done, and they're already starting the remake. Like this is just wild. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, as a shout out too, it was. It's so interesting to have watched that many episodes because more than ever you can see the evolution of the anime industry in one piece because it's been going on so long, right? Like mm -hmm. one piece started as being fully hand-drawn, fully hand-drawn and animated and watching it slowly transition and adopt more kind of like computer animation techniques. It's also just an interesting case study to see the growth of that industry because it's like, Oh look, a lot of these colors are flat, kind of dull right in the beginning. But then as you get more and more into it, the colors get brighter, the kind of effects and animation gets a little bit more complicated, right? Because now with computer assisted techniques you know they're able to do a little bit more and so it's definitely cool to see that evolution because i feel like a lot of things with how slowly technology grows right it's you don't get to see that all in kind of one ip but i feel like because one piece is you know lasted for almost 30 years now you get to see kind of that whole evolution and that in and of itself is also really cool to see Hmm. that's so cool and you know what's really funny that you said that the anime is your number three recommended experience my number three recommended experience is the one piece live action there we burr, go burr, like burr, 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 burr. this show really in, in like it really captured my attention i've re-watched like 
uh, several of the episodes multiple times. Like, I basically was like, I need to play Marvel Snap. I guess I need, I want to throw something on the TV. Let me just throw on the live action again. Like, I've, I've technically think I've watched the show twice at this point um, by watching it once and then going through and then watching it again through like just throwing up on the TV. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I did speak to someone. Um, one of my close friends loves One Piece. She thought the show was okay. Another friend loves the anime and manga. Didn't like the show at all. So I, I, I'm very curious what you two think. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. And um, I actually have a, so in addition to the one friend that watched that loves the anime and thought it was okay. I have another friend that also corroborated that feeling. I know a lot of people that love One Piece, apparently, which like I didn't realize. It's so um, good. It's one yeah. of the goats. I g- yeah. yeah, I guess. I there with Dragon Ball. I adored mm-hmm. the live action. Like I thought it was so fantastic. Like I, I've already gushed about it before, but it this is my number three. Go watch it. I really want you guys to watch it. Okay, I need to watch it. Um. It's definitely on my list. It's definitely on my list. I feel like you could watch, even watch it with Maddie. Like, for someone who doesn't know anything, like, did she like Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Like, did you like the movie? Yeah. Fun pirate adventure with goofy, like, young adults. Like, it's a good time. It's a great time. They're basically the same. Yeah. They're basically the same. (laughs) Um, Funny you guys both said something about One Piece. Because, um, sorry, I have no transition. It has oh, nothing to do with any of this. Um, I thought you were about to say my number three is also <laughs> One Piece. Yeah, it's the One Piece RPG. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, still working on it. Still working on it. Um, so my number three, taking a little bit step away. We're finally getting to the movie portion of my list. So the rest of them from here on out are all movies. So just Spoilers. bear with me. Bear with me. Uh, so number three, this is probably, um, I don't know. I feel like people might throw things because this isn't a number one because I feel like a lot of people think this is going to like sweep the Oscars this year. But my number three is Martin Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon, which if you guys want to watch it. It's like, um, is that the five hour movie? It's three and a half hours. So... Just think about all those One Piece episodes you could be watching instead, but I, <laughs> it is worth it. It is worth it. Um, it is definitely more, it's it's kind of like a crime Western film. Uh, it's set uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, basically, uh, the Osage clan, um, or oh, sorry, Osage tribe, um, they settled on some land in Oklahoma. They found oil. So they became like the richest people in America and uh, white Americans ruined it. And they came in and they basically started marrying people in this tribe and then ended up killing them off and taking their land. And it's a, a brutally true story of what happened. And it is sobering. It is awful. The things that you have to watch um, it is not like a fun movie, so it's it's hard to say like, oh, go watch this three and a half hour movie. But it was three and a half hours. Did not know it was three and a half hours. Like I was completely engaged the entire time. Didn't even have to like step out for like a bathroom break. Um, just like was engrossed in the His film. Bladder was like, hold it in, hold, hold it, it in. in. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
it, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Lily Gladstone as the 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 top two. Um, it has Robert De Niro and and Brendan Fraser, and it is just such a great movie. I like it really is. Um, it's one of those things where the main characters aren't necessarily the good guys, and you don't really realize that until like 10, 15 minutes in. And then you're, um, did you guys ever watch, uh, play Assassin's Creed three? Yep. Nope. Um, basically like that whole tutorial, you're like learning how to be an assassin. And then you realize that like, you're the tutorial you're playing as the bad guy. Like it has that same feel. Like it is like, Oh no. Like, are these the bad people? Um, it is just like a bunch of people will gush about this that are a lot lot smarter than I am. Um, but I think this is going to turn a lot of heads when it comes to award season. And it's it's really just an awesome story. It's it's based on a Pona book. Um, this is just yet another reason <laughs> uh, why I need to start reading more. Um, but it's it's all about true events that happened. And um, I don't know. I really, really liked it. I do think three and a half hours, tough. It is a tough sell. I've tried to get people to go watch this. Um, I don't think anyone has mm-hmm. <laughs> because three and a half hours is a lot. So um, it's an Apple TV original. So eventually it'll be on Apple TV or Apple Plus or whatever they call it now. Um, so bear with it. But it really is an awesome movie um, about something that I had no idea. But it's basically how the FBI was formed. Basically, they had all these reported crimes and that's how the FBI started uh, to be. Anyway. Oh, give it a watch if you're interested but um it's definitely going to be one of those things where you'll probably hear more and more about it i feel when oscar season comes around it, it's always strange that you know you say the whole three and a half hour runtime is like the scare is the factor that scares people away but then so many people are Binge willing watch to invest TV. yeah hours and hours of I watched series. six hours of Loki in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know people are obviously when you have episodes of a television show that the arcs and flow is different, right? Cause they're designed for their shorter run times. And so even though you're, you're potentially watching, you know, up to three and a half hours in one session, that's not necessarily the same pacing or flow. Right. And so I totally get that argument because that is a hundred percent true. But then at the same time, I feel like, as you said, you know, if it's an engrossing three and a half hours, like if it's something that pulls you in or is is like the story itself is also more suited for that, I feel like it shouldn't be a detractor, but that should also be a uh, point of interest for you, right? To say, well, this is apparently such a great story and it was designed to be told in this way. I should go watch it, right? It shouldn't be kind mm-hmm. of a point to say, don't watch it, but you know, hold your bladder in or hit the pause button, right? If it's on a streaming service, you know, take the break when you need to, but try to watch it in its original form because that's how it was meant to be, you know, digested and consumed. And so there's, I feel like there's a plus there. And because I'm also the fact that, you know, runtime for a lot of things doesn't really scare me. It's typically only the runtime scares me for when will I decide to start it? It's more, and not necessarily will I see it eventually, but it's, or will I see it at all? But when will I get to it? Right. Because then you mm-hmm. kind of got to get into that moment and be like, all right, I need to block off this amount of time. I'm going to power through it. And sometimes right in these busy lives that we live, it's kind of like hard to find that, you know, good section to be like, all right, I got nothing else planned. Let's get to it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I I think this is like I love listening to movie podcasts and I love hearing like just like a weird debate about this movie because there are people that are saying like this story should not be told by Martin Scorsese. Like he is like he's a white dude <laughs> talking about these things that have happened. Atrocities. Um, yeah. But I do think that Scorsese kind of treated it in a like a very respectful manner in the sense of if a lesser known director picked this up, it would not get as much attention. And like at the end of the film, Martin Scorsese like breaks the fourth wall and literally like reads the obituary of one of the characters that dies in the film and was just like, this was never solved. Also, there was never a case that was open for this. And that's, it just turns to credits. Like, it is just, like, him trying to show, like, he has, like, all this kind of, like, like, he's Martin Scorsese. Like, everybody knows him. His films are, like, automatic classics. He's done, like, 22, 23 films at this point. Everything that he does is, like, gold. And he kind of chose that to be, like, hey, I have this platform. And, like, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this history. And so I, I think it's it's worth at least just like being part of that narrative. It's just it's just really interesting. I, I feel like I haven't seen many films like that. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, Alex, you did your number two, right? Yep. It was Board your convention. Game conventions, number two. So Already we're going to... So shout out again. Board Game Convention. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. It. So my number is two year. is, rela- is semi-related. My number two experience has consumed the second half of the year for me. Okay. And that is the new Disney trading card game Lorcana. Oh. So this okay. is my number two this is my number two Alex is are you surprised Alex, you're surprised? I'm so surprised. This it's is not number two. one. I thought this no. was gonna be number one. It's number two. I'm surprised it's on the list. Oh, what? List. Is it are you just gonna say my year was boring? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm Let, just surprised that it's it like rose to the occasion. Oh, it did. Listen. Uh so Disney and Ravensburger came out with a new trading card game similar to Magic the Gathering called Lorcana and it uses Disney characters in um the gameplay. You have, it's literally it's like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. It's a trading card game, it's a money sink, it's a time sink. It's really fun. I think it's really fun. I've probably only really played it like 20 times technically if we really like think about it. But going off and like trying to get Prada, get at the cards, it I don't I don't enjoy that aspect of it, like it being very challenging to get it. However, it does appear prices are going down. They finally caught up to printing a lot of cards. People aren't scalping things anymore. Things were getting crazy. Like bo- booster boxes that have 24 booster packs in them were selling for like over $300. Like people were trying to sp- spend wow. that much on it when it normally retails for 144. So, I have a complete collection of the first set of cards. I am missing only one card in the second collection. Um, but I've been to game tournaments. I've been to board I've been to board game um stores to play Lorcana with strangers. I've done that like four times. Um 
I would have tried to play Lorcana at the convention, the board game conventions we went to, but it was so popular that, and they had limited seats that I was unable to like join out of any of the tournaments. But like, I'm trying to make a deck that is decent. Like, I'm I'm not trying to drop hundreds of dollars to make the meta deck but like i'm making a deck that i would like to play and even this week i'm gonna go hang out with some friends and we're gonna play some Lorcana. so like it nice. and, cr- and matt cracking open those booster packs trying to see if you get a good card like it the ex- do just you gambling 101 yeah yeah, yeah. do you remember the feeling <laughs> boxes. When, you, when you did Yu-Gi-Oh cards and everything like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so nothing like I've, it I've never gotten an enchanted card, which is the most legendary, this most rare card, like above legendary. Never gotten one. Alex got one. Um, the most expensive one, or I don't know what the price is now, but it was like at a time, it was going for $1,000 at one point in time. That you one sell card. It? He did not sell it. Nope. I still have it. But any listeners out there, you know, by the time you listen to this, I still have it. If you're interested, reach out, leave a comment down below. We can get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> What is this, Craigslist? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, honestly, Matt, the card game is so fun. And it's actually really easy to like pick up, I think. Okay. It's a it's a great time. How similar to Marvel Snap is it? Or is it like not, not similar. even in, not, not similar even. at all? Okay. Which is so funny because like one time I went to a thing and they're like, oh, do you play, you know, making small talk with your competitor. They're like, so do you play any card games? And I was like, I play Marvel Snap. And then they were like, what's that? Like, Did they just get up? And they're like, yeah, no, they were just like, who are you? But then that what's funny is that another time when I was waiting for my next um, round to start, I saw one of the people just killing time by playing Marvel Snap. And I like looked at him. I was like, I also play Marvel Snap. And he's like, yeah, it's a great game. And I was like, great game. And then that was it. That was the end of our And then discussion. you destroyed him. <laughs> no, I, I didn't match up with him. So I didn't play oh. him. I'm not very good at these tournaments. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've not actually. I won twice against okay. people that like didn't really know what they were doing and so one could argue that what i don't really bully. know what i'm doing i know i i don't know whatever um but yeah that's awesome i we have a mutual friend who will remain nameless yeah that we were working a weekend and, and they were like hey um i'm gonna dip out I, I'm going to meet Tiffany and we're going to go play Lurkana. <laughs> and I was like, enough said. Say yeah. no more. See you later. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, maybe if we do actually end up having some board game time, Matt, I can like, we can play. I can teach you how to play one round. Like, I can make a deck for you okay. with my extra cards. And then that we sounds can good. test it out. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. My number two. Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah. It, it came I- out July. Barbenheimer happened. Oppenheimer, of course, um, was depressing <laughs> compared to Barbie, but just like next also level. Also based on a true story, just like your other <laughs> I know. Just, yeah. And it's kind of like, are we the bad guy? Like, is, is yeah. he the bad guy in this too? Did right. you guys ever watch this? Either of you watch Oppenheimer yet? No, but I'm not going to lie. No. I think this would be a great movie to watch with my dad. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to try to see if I can find it anywhere. Is it, like, out anywhere? Like, can um, I rent it on Amazon for, like, $2? You might be able to. Yeah, I think, well, uh, $6 on Amazon Prime. Okay, that's not that bad. Still worth it. I think it's still worth it. Um, 
So it follows Robert I- or J. Robert Oppenheimer, the guy that made the atomic bomb. It it is basically like I, I didn't expect it to be watching a guy just go through it. Cillian Murphy, who plays Oppenheimer, he is like, and I don't want to spoil too much since you're about to watch it, but basically you can see how Spoilers, conflicted he, he is. Made the bomb. Yeah, he, he yeah. made the bomb. We know what happened. <laughs> yeah. But he is a guy that's just about physics, like theoretical physics. And he is just trying to figure out a problem. And he's trying to solve that problem. But then he knows that if he solves the problem, people will die. If he doesn't solve the problem, somebody else will die. But like, should we be able to have that choice ourselves of like, if we solve the problem? And like, that sort of conviction that he had and basically when he finished it kind of like what was left in its stead um was just really good i I think cillian murphy is like by far probably like my best actor of the year like i I think that this role was like this was great like i i thought that he did really really well just like portraying someone who had good in him had bad in him and was like a human and had conflicting feelings um like throughout the entire experience like i i I just really enjoyed it i think some of the there were some unnecessary things like i think it was three hours and i think they could have easily cut things um to make it a little bit of a tighter experience the last third is basically like a Christopher Nolan film. Like I love the last third. Like it, it like brought it home. Uh, the first, you know, two thirds was a little bit different pace than what I'm expecting. Um, but the last third was very much similar to like the prestige or, or some of these other kind of like you are trying to figure it out as Oppenheimer is figuring it out. And it is, it, it's really good, really good watch. Definitely watch it. Let me know what you think. Um, but the one half of Barbenheimer and I, I just loved it. Perfect, perfect July film. And now cool. we're at it. Number, number one. one. Oh number my God. How did we get here so quickly or so long? I don't know. <laughs> like I, I believe our like six through like six, five, and four took like an hour. <laughs> yeah. The last like thirty minutes, we've just been rolling through the third and the second picks. So, Which number feels one. Weird because I feel like it should be flipped, but, you know. I feel like we do this every year. But, you know, we had some overlap and stuff. So, yeah. Um, right, right. Number yeah. one, Alex, your number one non gaming experience of 2023. What is it? My number one non gaming experience of 2023 is Canada. And Canada. no, I don't, I don't mean the country as a whole, but. Uh, for <laughs> Tiffany's birthday this year, we took a road trip. The family did to Niagara Falls and Toronto. And, you know, it was my first time visiting both places and also let alone Canada in general. You know, I've never been there. Good old maple syrup. You know, it does hit different hey. up there. They got that true syrup. Didn't get to see any bagged milk, though. So I missed out on uh. that. Did get to hear some Canadians say sorry, though. So that was great. True. They actually yeah. do say it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But st- but stereotypes aside, uh, it was just a great time. You know, it's been a while since our family 
took a trip together you know obviously with me having lived in california for a period of time and then also with COVID hitting you know there's very kind of there were less opportunities there to do a whole family trip to a destination and so when this chance arose for tiffany's birthday to say hey are you willing to spend your birthday with the family in a car for 10 hours <laughs> driving yeah. up across the border you know getting stopped by border border patrol and asking what's your business here and us you know in my, tourism in our force <laughs> pleasure car. i mean yeah. <laughs> travel travel and tourism and it just being a good time you know we spent a day in niagara falls you know just didn't spend too much time but just was able to kind of see the area we spent a couple days in toronto itself was able to kind of see the city and also take a few tours both of the city itself as well as uh the bay tour you know to be able to see the city from the water and just these kind of like combinations of being able to see the niagara falls you know this kind of mythic landmark that people always say you know what are kind of these big things in america to see and usually niagara falls is kind of one of them being shared with canada that is and also being to toronto one of the major canadian cities and kind of getting the idea to say hey it really does feel like america but colder (laughs) not to say anything like i didn't feel the canada like influence or canadian influence on these towns but there was you know the kind of culture shock a little bit right obviously French being their second language or primary language, I'm not sure. Uh, just seeing the you know dual type of signs of like English and French was definitely interesting. Whereas right in America we have everything in English and Spanish, so that just being kind of one difference, but still having that feeling of yeah, everyone speaks English here. Like it's very easy to get around. It's very kind of if you are a citizen, you know, to be able to go over there, you're gonna have no problems getting around. And just the overall time, despite it being cold, right? We went in the fall time. So I wouldn't always recommend that unless you love the cold, then by all means go when it's chilly in Canada, or I guess it's chilly all the time since they're so far north. But it was good to see everything, to spend time with the family. And surprisingly, the drive being not that bad. You know, it is 10 to 12 hours, right, to get to Toronto or Niagara in Toronto, but it's pretty simple, at least from where we live. So. Overall, definitely a great trip. Will be memorable. Who knows when the next one will be, but that's for the future. But for 2023, that's my number one experience. Shout out to you Canadians. You know, poutine, always good. Your maple syrup, even better because it's the OG. How have you not brought up Tim Hortons? I know. Oh, I, I, I completely forgot tendons. about Tim Hortons. <laughs> How Shout you, out. How could you to, to, I actually completely forgot about you, compre- you made us oh go to God. Tim Hortons every day. He Shout made us go. Shout out to Tim Hortons. And after the first day, we went every day. So I, I love Tim Hortons. <laughs> apparently not enough to remember. That's going to be the stinger. Just, I love Tim Hortons. <laughs> It makes my heart so happy that this was your number one experience. I had a really great time on that trip as well. We lost a lot of money at the casino. I went to a bird oh, paradise. Oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we went to a bird paradise. We already know she has a problem with um, Lorcana, loot yeah. boxes, yes. casinos right there. Um, you know, Tim Hortons is fantastic. The do- the dollar was very strong. So like everything oh, we that did was there, also beneficial. <laughs> we were like, it's a third of the price. Like, you know what I mean? Like we just had a, honestly, it was a great time. You know, my parents are, 
kind of crank. My dad's a pretty cranky guy. My mom is very, can be very um, particular about things costing money. You know, like just, just, you know, parents, parent woes, you know, Uh like those typical parent woes. Sure. So um, rarely had any issues on the trip. Like it was a, a fantastic trip. Like it, it probably was the best travel trip I took all year. Um, but that is not my number one experience for this year. <laughs> so yes, my personal number one experience is that I finally completed my master's program. There we go. That nice. took so much out of me. I started the program in 2020 during a pandemic. I took over three years to complete it. I just, you know, finished all the requirements the week after Thanksgiving. I was able to go to PAX Unplug with freedom. You know what I mean? Like, I no school assignments. I've spent so mm-hmm. many years, you know, canceling plans with friends because I have to write a paper. I have to do an assignment, whatever. You know, I had so many group projects where, like, a third of the group projects, these people let me down. I had issues communicating. Typical. Like, they ghosted me. Like... All these, like, school issues that you could have or, like, in the modern era, like, I probably had them. Um, I missed a deadline because I got the time zone wrong. Like, it just, it it was just a wild ride. The I'm finally I, The classic. I finally completed it. I will no longer ever do higher education ever again. Three degrees is enough. I am so happy it's over. And I guess it was worth it. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like it's worth it. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah. Of course so it's worth it. <laughs> I'm so happy. I don't know that I would say I'd recommend that experience to everyone. Sure. But I recommend finishing education. That is what I recommend. Yeah. So happy to be done. And now you can be amongst the land of the living and you can play games with us and do things. It's going to be great. Yes. And spoiler alert for my part of the list for our next episode, we talk about our top six gaming experiences. My year has been very much impacted by my last year of my schooling. So you're going to have six experiences to talk about? Sounds like excuses. Oh my gosh. We better not get to next week and you're like, ah, well, it's my top four experiences. (laughs) No, you got to be making up to, you know. Okay, okay, okay. But Uh, rock, paper, scissors, and... Marvel Snap again. Does it have to be board or can it include board game? No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, maybe we might give you a pass. We might no, give you a pass. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, but no I'm cheating. done. I'm done. That's awesome. Yay. Well, you know, my number one kind of seems cheap now, you know, because it's not a whole country <laughs> or oh, a third it may degree. be less, but it's not least, Matt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I I want to know what movie like overcame Oppenheimer because I, I thought I that was going to be your number one. I, I thought so too, but there is just something about you know I, I talk about um, some of these long films, three and a half hours, three hours, long experiences where there is some fat to trim. Like there there just is. Like Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Probably one of my favorite directors. There was some trim. Some trim to fat, some fat to trim on that movie. And recently, within this past week, and maybe this is recency bias, 
and I'm okay if that is the case. My number one film that I watched this year, you all can watch because it's on Netflix. It's The Killer. It is David Fincher's new movie, The Killer, which has Michael Fassbender in it. I don't even know if you guys have even heard of this. I've Um, not. So this is The name David Fincher sounds familiar, but I don't know. So uh, you're definitely going to recognize his films. Zodiac, Seven, okay, um, Gone Girl, The Girl with Dragon Tattoos. Like, he is kind of like a master class. The Social Network. Um, like, he is a big, big name director, which also 2023 has amazing directors putting out films. And it kind of feels like we're just feasting right now. Mm-hmm. David Fincher, though, um, have you guys ever seen any of his films? Any of those that I just said? I have seen Zodiac. Okay, Zodiac is like in my top five favorite movies of all time. Like, oh, it is... he also did Fight Club. He did Fight Club, yeah. So if you look at some of like his pedigree, it is all about process. Like he cares about the process. He cares about the story and how the process actually happened. For Zodiac, it followed like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and mm-hmm. um, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. And it it followed them in a newsroom, the process of developing news for a serial killer to try to catch a serial killer. Like it was, was a very processed thing. You learned a lot about how news actually gets made. And he just dives into those details. Seven with um uh with Brad Pitt and with um that guy Morgan Matt Freeman. Matt something, what? right? Never mind. Um, That's a different movie. I'm thinking of a different like movie. Like they are trying to catch this uh, this serial killer and they are trying to get within his mind and the process of being a detective and going to these crime scenes and uncovering these things and following leads and what that looks like. Um, you could you could pull that same pedigree into every single one of his films and the killer follows a hitman and it goes through the process of what a hitman is thinking and kind of his internal monologue. Like if you look at the cast, there is a ton of extras, but honestly speaking parts, there's less than 10. Like Tota Swinton is in this, but very minimally, and she's one of the best parts of this entire movie, and she maybe has less than 30 minutes of screen time. Um, Michael Fassbender, majority of the dialogue is going to be internal monologue of him walking through kind of the minutia of being a hitman and waiting for the opportune moment and anticipating things and staying in, staying in control of your emotions and doing all these things and being very regimented. Like it is just fascinating to watch. I like, this is people that watch a lot of movies. I think this would be wild to them for the killer to be Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. So um, it is kind of a wild thing, but for whatever it is, this was like the secret sauce where I've been thinking about this quite often, which I've just watched in the past week. That's not completely abnormal. Um, But I just love that David Fincher, he could have gone really broad, but he just dialed it in and Mm -hmm. and keyed in on just small, small things. Um, It's based on a French comic from... The late 90s, I think like 98, it got translated into English, early 2000s, and he had this idea in like 2008. He didn't do anything with it for 10 years. He just was like, I'd like to, you know, kind of format this this. like a book. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he has five chapters in this movie and those are the same five chapters he thought of in 2008 after reading that that uh, that comic book. And so I just love it. I, I would love for anybody and everybody who has a Netflix account um, to watch it. It's definitely one of those things like it would have been better if they released it in theaters because with this type of movie, if you're distracted, you're really not going to get a lot out of it. So like if you're checking your phone, you're not going to get out a lot of out of it because it's not really about verbal. Like there's not a lot of conversation and it's a lot of kind of just being able to observe what's happening within the scene and kind of looking at Michael Fassbender's nonverbal cues and how he acts without actually using his voice. And I, I just really liked it. I really liked it. It was just that secret sauce. David Fincher, like I think The Social Network is like one of his more overrated films and people love it. Like if you want to hear our thoughts. I've never seen Social Network. Ariel, friend of the show, me and her connected about The Social Network kind of being one of those like most overrated films of the 20 teens when we talked about the Oscars like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Go take a listen to that. So David Fincher is not always a hit for me, but I think this one definitely was. And it's my best film of the year and could not recommend it more. So take a look. I think I will. Last year, you recommended Severance season one, and then I binged watched it within like a month. So it's so good. That's so good. I'm uh, I'm so ready for season two. Same. Um, I think I'm gonna try to check out one of these movies. It will not be Cl- Killers of Flower Moon. Uh, but fair. <laughs> Oppenheimer and the Killer definitely sounds like something that I'd be interested in. I mean, Oppenheimer. Yes, I I'm bummed I didn't get to see it in the theater. Um, yeah. So, before we go, I know we've gone long, but any just, like, top-level just shout-outs, just shouting out their name into the abyss of honorable mentions that we didn't talk about. Because, you know what? That Super Mario Brothers movie, it may not, it's a nine in my heart. I rated rated it a nine on Letterboxd because, man, did I love, love, love that movie. And Barbie, right with it, loved it. So good. So I actually gave, um, yeah, the same thing, like Mario and Barbie nines. I, I, but I loved, I adored them. I adored those movies. Um, I want to shout out Lessons in Chemistry, the Apple TV show. That was also another show that I, Loki, I was watching every week. I was like, I need to watch it. I loved that they debuted like Thursday nights or Wednesday nights or whatever night uh-huh. it was. They were like showing up at 9 p.m. Absolutely watched that first night. Uh, Lessons in Chemistry, every Friday when it would release on Apple TV, I would watch an episode. I thought that was great. That's based on a book. I planned, I bought the book after I was so enamored with the first two episodes of Lessons in Chemistry. I've yet to start it or read it, but I plan to. Um, what do you? What else honorable mentions you guys got? So I haven't watched season three yet, but shout out to Witcher season two. I really enjoyed it. You know, I intend to finish season three. I know that'll be the end of Cavill's run as Geralt, at least. Um, and that was just a continuation of how great the first season was. I know a lot of people liked the first season less because it was right, kind of having all the different timelines and stories kind of running parallel, but 
it wasn't clear to people that that was the case. And right with season two being a little bit more direct, kind of having all those stories coalesce was uh, more traditional. Uh, I enjoyed it, right? Because obviously I think Cavill does such a great job being Geralt and also just them exploring more of the world there. And I'm definitely interested, you know, not, and I forget the prequel uh, series that came out this year that a lot of people hated, but besides that, you know, Witcher 3, I, or season three, I'm looking forward to watching eventually, even though I heard it also kind of ends maybe in a little bit of a soft, quiet whimper, but um, a shout out to that at least season two. Invincible first half of the season's already released. Second half of the season starts January 4th. So I felt weird only putting it on a list when it's only half the season, but it's like more awesome invincible. So by the time people are listening to this, the second half is like on its way. If you've watched the first half or the first season, you know it's amazing. So give that a watch. And with that, a chunky, almost two-hour episode of our top six non-gaming experiences of 2023. Go ahead and comment below. What is your top non-gaming experience? You know, what really just tickled your fancy and what do you want us to check out? Like, share, subscribe, all those things. Hit the bell, whatever. You know, hit all the buttons that you can see except for like the unsubscribe and the like close out button. And, um, you know, with that, I'm Matt. That's Tiffany. That's Alex. Grandmaster Doug, thanks for the tunes and we will see you next time. I love Tim Hortons.